still here so I guess everything I said last week hasn't found its way to important ears either that or they don't care which is a win either way as far as I'm concerned not that it matters whether I'm being listened to by some secret government agency that keeps tabs on dangerous insurgents or in my case middle-aged working mothers who kind of wish they knew when to leave things alone it's not that important not now anyway not after the message I received a couple of days ago. I've had confirmation. Or at least, I think I have. The story I was sent could be a contrived load of tripe, designed to ridicule me, or a weird form of fanfiction, I guess. But I don't think it is. I don't think anyone would joke about something like this. Not in this context, anyway. So I'm going to do things differently today. No theorising, not until I've shared the story. Then you'll all see what I mean, and maybe you can help pick it apart. Or tell me I'm delusional, either is fine. Also, I'm going to stick a content warning on this one, because it mentions child loss and deals with maternal grief, as well as a mistreatment of a mental illness. I really don't want to upset anyone, you see. There's nothing gratuitous or graphic about any of it, but I don't want anyone listening to to this to be confronted with something that they might not want to hear. So I'll summarise the whole email at the end, so if you skip ahead a couple of minutes, you should be okay. So, it was a couple of days ago, a new email came in titled My Mother, Important, with the important bit all in capitals. I could say that this immediately caught my attention, but to be perfectly honest, of all the emails I do receive, a lot of them have IMPORTANT in all caps in the title, and I won't lie, I am kind of wary of them now. Sometimes they are important, but in general, the more interesting correspondence I get tends to come with a lot of all caps, if you know what I mean, and I kind of have to steal myself sometimes. And in this case, it meant going away and making dinner. I didn't come back to it until later, which I kind of regret, but I'm also kind of glad I did, because it blew the roof off all of this. Before I read it to you, some context. The writer is anonymous, not necessarily through choice on my part, but simply because they didn't give me any name to work with. The email is a generic Gmail, you're nothing special, no way to track who owns it. I mean, yeah, maybe cleverer people than me might be able to do it, but I figure that this person shared something deeply personal and traumatic with me, and if they don't want me to know who they are, then I can respect that. Although, if you are listening and you do want to get in contact with me, then feel free. Oh, and everyone else? They, they did give me permission to share this. I'm not airing something profoundly secret for clicks or anything like that. So, now we set the scene... This is the email, in its entirety. I haven't cut anything, reworded anything. This is it, as I read it. Dear Kay, I began listening to your podcast a couple of weeks ago. Within the first two episodes, I began to feel incredibly queasy. I don't know anything about this event, or the museum, or anything like that. 
All I know is that my mother spent a lot of her later life in and out of psychiatric institutions, following what my family and all medical professionals who had contact with her thought was a phantom pregnancy. A phantom pregnancy is exactly what it sounds like. A woman believes she is pregnant to the point where the body can start mimicking actual symptoms of pregnancy. Obviously, there is no baby involved, and it can lead to serious complications. Complications like you believing you did give birth, but some mysterious they stole your baby from you. This is exactly what my mother believed. It dominated my life. I think we're a similar age, given I too was around six when the event you described was supposed to have occurred. Like you, I have no memory of it. Unfortunately, unlike you, I knew someone who did remember it. All of it. My mother. She died five years ago. At the time, we thought it was a mercy. We thought she was severely ill, and in death, maybe she'd be able to find the peace that she could never in life. It never even crossed my mind that she could have been telling the truth all along. I wish to remain anonymous for many reasons. The guilt I feel at my mother's treatment, the way others might judge me if they knew I was believing a bloody indie podcast, the simple fact that you might be making all of this up, and it's just an unhappy coincidence that it all lines up with my lived experience, means I don't want anyone to know who I am. So, for that purpose, any and all names, places and institutions that I might mention are fictionalised. The events are true. Everything else isn't. Given the measures you have to take to protect your own identity, I'm sure you understand why I feel I have to do this too. Some people claim that their memories of childhood are crystal clear, but it's proven time and time again that memory is plastic and memories of childhood especially so. To that end, I don't remember my mother being ill as a young child. Although, saying that, I do have an older sibling and they don't remember anything either, so take that as you will. It all started to go wrong in the early 90s. My mother was already depressed and was growing increasingly delusional, constantly going on about how she'd lost a child. And no one believed her. I think my father sheltered us from a lot of it, there were a lot of excuses along the lines of your mother isn't very well right now, but she's getting treatment. She used to come home looking exhausted and pale, and I think I thought she had cancer or something because I was a kid and only people with serious physical illnesses like cancer would be spending that much time at the hospital and still come out looking so unwell. It wasn't until 2001 that my dad finally told my sibling and I the whole truth, that mum was indeed ill, but it was a severe mental illness in which she suffered bouts of delusional psychosis. My brother and I were now young adults and so we pretty much guessed that her illness was along those lines by then. I figured out it wasn't cancer when I was in my teens and I heard mum having one of her episodes, which made me wonder if it was schizophrenia or something, but dad would never confirm if that was her actual diagnosis. I don't know why he wouldn't tell us. I suppose that was his way of coping. Well, it wasn't until I heard your story, that is. Now I'm wondering if my mother's ravings, as my father would call them, were actually the truth. And the reason he didn't want to talk about it was because deep down, he knew it too. 
my mother always claimed she'd had a third child. That's where the phantom pregnancy thing came in. She screamed that the doctors had taken her baby right after birth, that the baby had been healthy, she'd heard him cry, that, and that they'd been working on a legal case against the hospital until 1992, when everyone just forgot about it. She said the day she'd given birth was the 29th of February, 1988. She also claimed something had happened right as she was physically delivering the child. A terrible sound and sense of pressure that knocked everyone out for a second. And that when she and the doctors came to, there was blood and placenta on the bed, but no baby. She says that's when it all started. That she'd had a baby, but that baby was gone that she'd heard the obstetrician say congratulations on a healthy boy and the baby had let out one cry before the strange noise occurred. At first, they'd been as concerned as her. A newborn baby can't just disappear. They can't even lift their heads up, let alone crawl away. Their confusion didn't help my mother. She needed answers and no one was talking to her. Had they accidentally dropped him or fatally injured him and were now covering their backs? Did he have something life-limiting that meant the doctors had made a mistake and were trying to cover their tracks? Or was it something even more sinister? Baby trafficking? Illegal adoption? Harvesting babies for satanic rituals? We may scoff at all that now, but this was the 80s and right at the height of the satanic panic and that's the one she latched onto. Doctors harvested my newborn son for a satanic ritual. Now, I can't stress enough that the above recollection was from what we believed at the time was a profoundly disturbed woman. As far as we were concerned, she'd never had a baby. Hell, Dad said she hadn't even been pregnant in 1988. According to him, she'd suffered a relatively late-term miscarriage in 1987, and that must have affected her more than anyone had realised. She'd go on and on about her baby, about how other women had suffered the same fate, and how they had been banding together to try and find out what had happened, that it had happened everywhere and loads of people went missing that day, about how it was God's punishment or the devil's plot, and that she couldn't believe everyone had forgotten, that people were lying, and even that they'd been replaced by demons sent directly from hell to torment her. This went on for years. Literal years. Dad tried his best, but Mum was uncontrollable in her grief and anger. She said that we'd all been replaced by demons too. That she had to find her baby and find all of the people who disappeared. Only then would we know the truth and would see that she was one of only a handful of real people left. I don't think I need to tell you that at the time, this was pretty terrifying. She was full on fire and brimstone. I think Dad even arranged for an exorcism, but nothing worked. Her delusion was absolute. Until her dying day, she never changed her story, not even a little bit. I don't know why I decided to listen to your podcast. Call it fate if you like. But I don't need to tell you the eerie similarities between my mother's stories and yours. It's the same day. The same year, the same sound, the same outcome. Like you, I don't remember any of it happening. Like you, I'm not sure if it's real or not. 
but the coincidences are too much to ignore. And with that comes a lot of guilt. If you're right, my mother wasn't lying. I have a younger brother that I never knew. My mother went through the ordeal of birth only for her child to vanish into thin air. My father still maintains she miscarried late 1987, and that's what sent her down that path. But I don't know now. One last detail is that she always said everyone remembered the event until 1992. That something else happened on the first actual anniversary four years later. That no one remembers that either. Which makes me wonder... Did the real event, as you call it, actually occur on the 29th of February 1992? Something happened to our planet that affected every single person on it in 1988. The thing that made us forget that, though, that happened in 1992. So what I'd now like to know is, what happened then? Why did we forget? How did we forget? Are we all just living a lie now? Did we all have our minds collectively wiped? Did we have new memories implanted somehow? Or did something break our original timeline and send us all on a new course, each of us with new backstories? Did we break our old world? Or more worryingly, did something or someone else do it for us? Was my mother's intense grief the only thing that kept her from succumbing? Or was she actually, as everyone had always maintained, a severely mentally ill woman living in a world of her own construction? I'll be honest, I don't know what to believe these days. Logic would dictate the latter is probably the most logical. One woman creating her own reality, no matter how delusional, is infinitely more likely than the population of the entire planet having their pasts completely rewritten for reasons unknown. I don't know what you're going to make of my story, but I am happy for you to share it. Maybe you're onto something, and if my story can help you get to the bottom of this mystery, then maybe you can help my mum, even if she isn't with us anymore. And that's it. No names, no signatures, no initials even. It just ends there. Like I said, it could be a wind-up. I might have opened a particularly dangerous can of worms in someone's mind, Someone who probably shouldn't be listening to stuff like this. It really has made me think about the way I'm sharing all of this. Is it responsible? Should I even be doing this? My curiosity drives me, but... The thing is, if this is a hoax and someone is playing with me, well done. You got me. And also, fuck you, because this kind of thing shouldn't be joked about. And if you're not joking and but still saying that all of this happened when it didn't, then maybe seek some help. There are lots of organisations out there that can help you. And if this isn't a hoax or, or a delusion, I'm sorry, truly. I am sorry for what you and your family have gone through. And I'm especially sorry for your mum. What she went through, no matter what the truth is, is horrific. I can't even begin to imagine what she felt. As for this podcast, should I carry on or should I leave it be? I feel like I'm on the edge of a knife right now. If this is confirmation, and I'm not saying it is, just that if it is, then what the hell have I uncovered? 
And how does it end? If I keep digging and find irrefutable proof that the events of 29th February 1988 actually happened, what then? What do I do with it? Where do I go? How will I carry on knowing everything we thought as real is just an illusion? That our foundations, our minds, can be manipulated so easily? And what if I discover who or what made it happen? I'm worried I'm veering into some dangerous territory. Not just because I have this stuff, but it's also becoming a bit conspiracy theory-esque. And as I've said before, I don't do conspiracy theories. I find most of them laughable, and the rest downright distasteful and not to mention dangerous. Given everything we've had thrown at us in the past few years, it feels wildly irresponsible to be adding to the mix. But at the same time, this stuff exists. It's here, in front of me. Plus, and I know this is going to sound weird, but none of it feels particularly conspiratorial. There's nothing about governments trying to keep all of this secret, or the global elite, or whatever the current nutball bogeyman is. If we're treating all of this as if it is real, and I'll admit I am leaning more that way every time I sit down to work on this, then there was no cover-up. It was out there, in the press, every day for nigh on four years. No one was denying it. There were no reports of anyone being permanently shut up. No real conspiracies at all, apart from what the hell happened and why. It's like it was a freely acknowledged thing. The museum itself is testament to that. You're generally not allowed to open memorial museums to something that's meant to be a secret. Which brings me to 1992. I'd noticed before that that was when the resources I have uncovered stop. The most recent newspaper i found so far is dated the 28th of February 1992. It's talking about how the world is going to remember the disaster of four years ago. It's something that dominated the headlines for all of February and the vast majority of January too. There were worldwide plans for huge ceremonies, and entire buildings and monuments have been built across the globe, ready for opening on the actual anniversary. And then, nothing. It's like someone flipped a switch. We went from a planet in mourning to complete normality. All the monuments disappeared. There is nothing that says the worldwide remembrance ceremonies went ahead. Something happened to make us forget. And not only that... Something happened to get rid of all that evidence. And I need to know what that was. If you don't feel comfortable following me down this rabbit hole, then that's fine. I understand. But if you do, thanks. I I mean it. I worry that I might end up talking to dead air, but the fact that there are people out there listening, whether you actually believe any of it or not... I do appreciate it. As before, any ideas, questions or suggestions, send them to me at museummissing at gmail.com. All little letters. It's always in the show notes, along with my other links. I don't know what I'm going to do next. Every time I start following a thread, things keep mushrooming out, getting more and more complicated and tangled up as I go. Look, whatever happens, please... Take care out there, okay? Good.
I might see you next week. I might not. Okay. Museum of the Missing is written, performed and produced by Claire Waller. The title song, Museum of the Missing, was written by David Rizal and is performed by David Rizal and Claire Rizal. It is used with permission. If you're enjoying the story, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Contact details and social media links are in the show notes. If you wish, you may also buy the podcast a coffee at Museum of the Missing. Thank you for listening. About memories wiped away About time that's gone astray It's the horror of the age